This is the On The Touchline Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. I always like to learn, but I didn't always like to be taught. That's a direct quote from Matt Wolf, who is today's guest on the On The Touchline podcast. Matt is an assistant coach at Indiana University East in Richmond, Indiana. I love coaches that are highly aware of creating a player-centric culture. And I think Matt does a really excellent job explaining how he and the staff at IU East are attempting to create that in the collegiate game with the players that he's currently working with. Matt has been a player, he's played collegiately, he's traveled all over the U.S., and has worked in a number of different jobs. I especially love in this episode Matt's dedication to first-generation college students. I don't know if I've told this story before, but I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, and I have a, a real appreciation for the work, the stress, the uncertainty that a first-generation college student potentially could have. Uh, I was navigating a lot of that on my own in the late 90s and early 2000s. And before we get into this episode, I love that Matt has realized that soccer is where his life is and that he has gone to great lengths. And you'll hear the number of places he's been and worked and sort of been a part of um, throughout his career, but to realize that soccer is where he wants to be. And I draw parallels again to my own life on this one because waking up at 35 and saying to myself, wow, I want to work in soccer. And people immediately and people around me sort of thinking that I was a bit crazy, you know, saying that out loud. And so for me, it's been this crazy three-year journey to where I've gotten to um, not only with the podcast, but coaching and, and things of that nature. So more on Matt in just a sec, but this podcast is available on all major podcasting outlets. So please be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you listen on Apple podcast, uh, please hit the pause button right now, go there, leave a five-star rating and a brief review about the show. That way, when people search soccer podcast, I actually did this recently, so Sounds a little strange, but uh, if you do that, you will see the On The Touchline podcast show up in some of the higher ranked uh, soccer podcasts that are out there. So definitely a good thing to help more and more people find out about the show. Also, you can connect with Aaron Rodgers and I at any time, and we're both highly active on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at SoccerCoachJB. And you can find Aaron at Ohio Soccer Coach. And I've put information about both of those in the show notes, along with information about Matt. All right, guys, we're already in episode eight of season three. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Matt Wolf, assistant coach from Indiana University East. <laughs> I think soccer Twitter in particular is just a, a really great place. And yeah, there's days where, you know, we kind of all 
probably roll her eyes and go, oh my God, like what, what did I sign up for here? Right. And I think more often than not, it's actually, you know, pretty constructive and, and actually pretty useful. And, um, you know, even if there's people that I disagree with or whatever, I mean, I feel still like I'm actually learning something. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell the listening audience a little bit about your background and, and where you're at now and um, how you got into uh, to coaching the old game of football. Yeah, definitely. So I, I want to thank you guys for having me uh, on. I've, you know, long time listener, first time caller. So <laughs> wanted to put that out there. Um, but yeah, so I guess um, it's kind of funny you mentioned, you mentioned soccer Twitter. Uh, I wouldn't really have a Twitter unless I was in grad school and I took a social media marketing class uh, and the professor said, okay, you've got to pick a social media and you've got to work with it to, you know, build a brand or whatever. And so I decided Twitter and I built it around kind of the the program that I was with at the time. And then I just took off, I didn't really take off, but I just kind of have been using it through that you know, kind of as a platform to, to network and I've gotten to work some camps from it and everything, uh, but also made connections. You know, I've talked to several guys, you know, just getting advice and in, in coaching. I've talked to other guys about, you know, ideas for sessions and things like that. Uh, but it's really turned out to be, I think, the most, you know, useful social media t- in terms of connecting with the right people. And, hey, you're always going to have, you know, the pe- you know ardent supporters in, in their own corners of, opposed and unopposed and rondos and no rondos and this and that but i think it you know it really you know drives the conversation forward um or just keeps the dialogue going uh, that maybe wasn't there 10 or 15 years ago so uh de- definitely a plus uh my <laughs> soccer story uh, or coaching journey i guess you know really started uh i'm originally from eastern north carolina uh so about halfway between raleigh and the beach and hey i i, I Similar town to Richmond, Indiana, just a small town, uh, you know, was a, a solid player, uh, you know, one of the better players probably in my small town. And uh, as I got a little bit older, you know, I, I traveled to, to Raleigh, Durham and Chapel Hill to play uh, and really pretty much like from seventh grade on just really dedicated my my life to soccer. I was, you know, hey, I missed school dances. I missed a lot of the parts, you know, the TV shows that we were you know, just talking about. Uh, <laughs> I missed all of that just because I, you know, really enjoyed playing soccer. Um, and so I was doing, Hey, I was on the road anywhere from one to five or six times a week, traveling an hour to two hours to practice and games and everything each way. Uh, and, uh, after I, you know, I, I was recruited by a couple schools, uh, out of high school, uh, took a couple visits, didn't, you know, really find the right fit. I, you know, I wanted to, you know, kind of leave, uh, where I grew up. I think it's just kind of one of those teen angst things where, your hometown is just this place you're dying to escape. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, not having originally been from there, having moved there and having my parents from, my father's from LA and my mother's from Syracuse, New York, uh, we really had no connection there. Uh, so I think, you know, that was part of it. And also I was really encouraged to, to explore and get out and to, to try new things and, and to, you know, my parents were very um, uh, instrumental and, in, working to, to give me opportunities. And I think that's really kind of, you know, where my mindset started. Um, and so, hey, I, right out of high school, um, I went to Gonzaga University over in Spokane, Washington, uh, tried to walk on there, didn't, didn't work, uh, ended up transferring at the semester of my fall of my first year uh, to a small Division three liberal arts school uh, in Pennsylvania. I played there for a year and really it 
wasn't exactly what I wanted. I think kind of my mindset when you're, when you're in a position of, Hey, playing at a decent level uh, and then you stop playing and you realize how much you miss playing and then you're playing again, you don't take those things for advantage. So I think uh, maybe my expectations were different or uh, I was a bit naive, maybe going to the process and the recruiting process uh, out of high school. I think that's one reason why I got into college coaching specifically is uh, hey, like I said before, creating opportunities and giving opportunities uh, to players who, you know, want those who are self-motivated, who are driven, who uh, really embrace the idea of, of, you know, being a student athlete and everything that goes with it. And so, you know, I played a year at the school. Uh, we, we had a successful year. I was one of the first guys off the bench, you know, as technically a freshman. Uh, wasn't exactly what I was looking for. It wasn't necessarily the right fit. So I transferred back to Gonzaga, got involved with the club team, became the coach there. Um, and really, you know, kind of sunk my teeth into coaching and, and refereeing, you know, did Idaho ODP, worked with Spokane Shadow, which was one of the local clubs. Um, and then from there, uh, I, I got an opportunity to work at uh, Whitworth University. It was about 10 miles up the road. Uh, and that was fall 2012. I uh, got to work with a great staff there. Um, you know, Sean Boucher uh, had a great season, you know, ranked in the top 10 of Division Three. Um, did a lot of stuff. Uh, successfully on the field, uh, you know, made the national tournament, things like that. And I knew uh, afterwards I wanted to stay in the game, but I wasn't exactly sure. When I began my college track as, you know, I'm going to be a teacher and then I'm going to get into coaching because if I can't find a coaching job, then I can fall back into teaching. Um, and I took some education classes and uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be a teacher. I don't know if I want to, you know, teach the same history class three times a day uh, for 25 years, uh, every day of the week, uh, I said, I, I just want to coach. And so, uh, from there, I started to, to try to work out, you know, how to get into it. And, um, this kind of comes, I think my perspective on this comes from being from a small town, uh, and how do you create opportunities for yourself? And so mean, you know, not really having a mentor, not really having, um, ideas of what to do. I just started emailing people and I was at, uh, I lived with a bunch of runners in college and went to a, went to a, a track meet uh, that they were at. And I saw the university of great falls, which is now the university of Providence. Um, you had Colin Baker on and he was actually the assistant coach after me. Uh, and I, I looked him up. I said, I'd never heard of this school before all this stuff. Uh, so I looked him up and I saw uh, the head coach, uh, Paul Zazensky there. I said, man, this guy looks pretty familiar. I read his bio. He's turns out he's actually from an hour and a half east of where I'm from. He's from the beach of North Carolina. We actually went to rival high schools. He's a little bit older than me. Uh, and so I reached out to him, you know, made a connection. Turns out his best friend growing up was one of my teammates. Uh, his, young, his best friend growing up, his best friend's younger brother was a teammate of mine growing up. Uh, so made a connection and really was like, hey, I'm, you know, looking to get in the game. What can I do? Kind of just looking for, you know, uh, ideas or advice on, and say, hey, look, this, I'm interested in this. I'm coaching at these clubs. What do you recommend? And he just, you know, kind of said, Hey, you know, keep doing what you're doing, you know, this and that, you know, look to see what you can do, get into some coaching courses, this and everything. And that's really what I did. You know, I got my national diploma. So Whitworth was coaching at Spokane Shadow, did Idaho ODP. Uh, and then from there, excuse me, the season ended. I graduated, um, moved back home, was working at, uh, working at a local high school uh, and kind of stayed in touch with Paul. And then he, you know, offered me the opportunity to come out to Montana. Uh, you know, was it fall 2013 to, you know, get my master's and coach. I said, Hey, this is, uh, 
Uh, I'd interviewed with a couple other schools and really uh, it didn't work out. And I, I always knew in the back of my mind, hey, I wanted to be back in the, the Northwest and I thought this was a good program. They were successful to get my master's degree. I could get to live in Montana, uh, which I think was a great two-year experience uh, and had a lot of success there the first two years. Um, finished up, got my master's and really uh, was looking for the next opportunity and on the recruiting trail I'd met uh, my buddy Rod Lafferty, uh, who's the head coach at Occidental College uh, down in Los Angeles. Uh, so I took that opportunity, moved down there, uh, coached there for a year, um, did really well. Uh, unfortunately, Los Angeles is really expensive and <laughs> soccer coaches don't always make the most money. So I uh, uh, took another opportunity up in the Bay Area, which uh, was a little bit more expensive at a club. Uh, so I was making money. Uh, Great, great experience, I think, great learning experience, at least. Um, and then, I, you know, I'm working in the club, and I realized, man, I, I just miss, miss the everyday, you know, working with college age guys, being that kind of mentor that they need, you know, fostering their development as, as people. Um, and so, uh, and I remember kind of the one thing, I, looking back on that point is, you know, I was coaching three club teams. I remember Sean Boucher at, at Whitworth said he was the technical director of, of the club in town. He said, you know, the one thing I like about college athletics was when you, when you score a goal in college athletics, it's the celebrations are so great. You know, if you score, if you go to a tournament, a youth tournament, a kid can score five or eight goals in a weekend. And sometimes maybe they lose value, but at the collegiate level, you can see it. Like it's, it's a complete team effort and you can see that, you know, the, the entire bench gets up and everyone's celebrating. You have, you know, all your, all your classmates and your, you know, your, your peers, uh, professors, whoever it is are at the end, everyone's cheering. I think, man, that's, you know, really what I would miss because I could do three or four games in a day and I'd be driving around and, you know, I miss just building up to one game a day and then really seeing the hard work of that paying off. And so, um, you know, part of it was also, you know, North Carolina background for me, college sports, was you know the pinnacle of everything you know it's duke carolina nc state wake forest that was that's what i wanted to do uh, i wanted to be in college athletics and had an opportunity to uh, get back in uh, at road community college in, in in medford oregon southern oregon uh, helped you know kind of build the program there there in the second season worked with uh you know one of my buddies greg millick who had met at gonzaga um fellow club soccer player um it really helped him you know establish the program and, and kind of get things going uh, and about that time, uh, this opportunity um, in Indiana opened up where we started the program from scratch. Uh, you know, I've been here, you know, Steve Moore, the head coach now, he, you know, recruited the entire first class. He spent the first year recruiting 25 guys. I came in at the beginning of the, I guess what is technically playing the first year, his, his second year. Uh, and I've been here ever since just, you know, building the program, you know, finding the right guys, kind of just going through the you want to call it trials and tribulations of building programs of bringing in guys, seeing guys leave, graduating guys, just finding the right fit uh, to really be successful. First year we did, you know, relatively well, you know, finished nine, nine and two, six in the conference. Uh, second year, last year, finished 10 and 10, fifth in the conference this year, we took, you know, a pretty big step, finished 13 and seven, uh, finished third in the conference. Uh, and so we've really just really found the niche of what's going to work at this level and, kind of the demographic of or the right fit of guys uh, that will be successful at IU East and um, have really just, you know, been looking for those guys that are, you know, want to build a program that are 
you know, value the opportunity uh, that uh, you know, we deal with a lot of first generation uh, students, which I think is you know, a great opportunity. I think there's a great sense of pride um, uh, with that, you know, I guess, demographic. Uh, and say, hey, if you're the first kid in your family to go to college, you know, they want you to finish, they want you to do well. The family comes to all the games. We've been to, to games uh, in Illinois and we've had more fans uh, than a home team. So I think uh, that's a really uh, significant experience and really one that's uh, rewarding uh, and really, you know, just looking to continue and give those guys opportunities. Uh, and it's turned out really well for us. I think, you know, we're, you know, going to have one of the highest men's GPAs uh, in the athletic department this year. Uh, and that's come from finding the right guys, finding the right fit, finding the guys that uh, value the experience and value, you know, what it means to be a college soccer player and, and to represent uh, a community uh, and an athletic department that uh, has high expectations. You've done a lot in a, um, you know, a relatively short period of time, I would say, in that uh, I admire the um, willingness on your part, Matt, to just embrace probably, um, you know, being uncomfortable, going to places right. you don't know a ton of people, um, you know, putting yourself out of your comfort zone. And we talk a lot about that as coaches. And I, I've experienced this recently where, you know, in a situation where definitely out of my comfort zone, I wouldn't say out of my depth, but out of my comfort zone, comfort zone in terms of, um, you know, maybe how I approach my work or, or whatever. And I, I'm curious, you know, in all these places that you've been, right, some some rural, um, you know, Montana and, and maybe where you're at now or Oregon or the, you know, the great Northwest and mm -hmm. a very urban environment like L.A. or sort of a, a sprawl like L.A., um, I wonder how all these experiences sort of shaped, um, you know, who you are as a coach and maybe how you want the game to be played. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's a, a great question. I think, um, you know, some advice I got, and I was, I was really deciding between, you know, do I want to be in, in college soccer or I want to be in club soccer? Um, and at the end of the day, it's very difficult to make money in either. Um, and so the advice I got or the advice of, of one colleague I was talking to, he said, you know, what I look for is I look for the, for the right people, the right group to be around. Uh, and then I also recommend going to the places uh, that's going to challenge you and it's going to force you to grow and learn the most. Um, and I've been fortunate, I think, just from, you know, kind of working to create those opportunities uh, that I, I found those places. Um, now, you know, kind of how I think the game should be played uh, is uh, <laughs> kind of where do I go with this one. Um, I think it should be, you know, I guess embraced and enjoyed. I think, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on, Hey, the game should be fun. And I, I, I think that, and I try to, you know, talk to players about that and, you know, you know, what is fun is fun standing, uh, taking PKs against your buddy is fun. You know, playing 11 aside, you know, one nil games, whatever at the end of training, or is it playing world cup? Kind of what is fun? I think, you know, I don't necessarily focus on things being fun. I mean, I don't want to sound like the, the no fun police, but I think as you get older, uh, you want to feel rewarded. I think that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, Hey, I like to eat, cookies and ice cream and cake. Like that's, those are my guilty pleasures. I, and I do have fun <laughs> after I eat those, but it comes to a point where I'm not feeling rewarded 
uh, for doing that. And so I want, uh, I want my players to feel rewarded uh, for the work they're putting in. And it comes back to the idea of uh, creating opportunities and granting opportunities. I think, you know, the culture that we're trying to establish here at, at IU East is, uh, and I think there's maybe one thing that I uh, wish I had uh, when I was playing, uh, I was never necessarily encouraged to stay after to play more despite me wanting to get extra work in you know um and so i want to give my guys uh, the platform or the opportunity hey coach what do i need to work on what do i need to do uh i want to give them the feedback you know i'm going to write it down so they have you know notes to compare it to and then i want to you know stay after practice with them uh i want to you know watch film with them just so that they have the opportunity uh to grow and develop and they can feel that reward you know paying off because uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of kids out there who just become discouraged, uh, whether it's at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, uh, they're not just seeing it pay, pay off. Uh, and the best way to see that pay off is, hey, by getting into games, by being acknowledged by the coaching staff. Uh, and so that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see guys uh, really take the next steps. Now, hey, you know, I think as my role as the assistant coach, uh, I need to focus on the second team and the third team guys. And I think if I do my job, correctly as an assistant coach, those second and third team guys, they're moving up, uh, maybe not into the starting lineup uh, all the time, but they're seeing playing time as the year goes on. And I think that's part of, you know, why I got into college soccer is, hey, there are guys working for opportunities, but as someone that has uh, uh, the authority to grant opportunities, I've got to be willing to give those guys that. Um, and so I think, you know, th that's kind of one of the um, – complaints about about the MLS is they don't give young guys opportunities and that's why you should go to Europe because hey it's going to be tougher but you're going to get a chance uh, and that's kind of I think the philosophy that I try to take is uh, you know are you doing the right things are you coming to practice on time are you, are you taking the coaching points uh, are you self-motivated are you coachable do you have a desire to improve if you're really embracing those uh, tenants uh, then I think you've got an opportunity to be successful in really almost anything um, and I think the game should be played. And kind of my coaching philosophy is the more you play, the better you get, the better you get, the more fun you have. Uh, and then if you start having a lot of fun, you start getting really good, then they start paying you. And it doesn't get better than that. And so I think uh, from my perspective is I want to encourage guys to play. So when I'm designing the training sessions, or I'm leading the training sessions, I, I keep it in focus that it's about the players. Uh, and at the end of the day, we have a structure of the way we do things or kind of expectations of what we want. But those aren't set in stone. The players uh, have the license to create, to do whatever they think is correct uh, in that moment. You know, if, if you think you're open for a half-field shot and you decide to take it and it goes in, hey, great. But if you're consistently taking half-field shots and just shanking and it's going out of bounds or whatever it is or just making poor decisions, then we've got to re retool that. But I don't want to limit a player's potential or capabilities or opportunity by – defining them to a certain specific role or structure or things. I want to have a framework, but I also want to give them the opportunity to, to think uh, and decision-make uh, and be creative, you know, in that environment. Because I think that's really where the reward comes off or pays off because um, if I'm saying this is all I want you to do, then you just become very set in doing that one thing. There's, Hey, you, you're being rewarded because you're doing what you're asked, but also, how fulfilling is that reward? You know, are you feeling as if you're growing, that you're improving, uh, that you're taking the next steps as a player and as a person? Uh, and if you are, uh, great. But I, you know, I always was a guy that 
I always loved to learn, but I didn't always like to be taught. Um, and so that's kind of the philosophy that I have is, hey, let's put these guys in environments where they can take the instruction. They can also make decisions and learn from those decisions because that was kind of how I was as a player. I didn't want, you know, to be, you know, my high school, one of my high school coaches used to cut out the bottom of a styrofoam cup and used to say, you know, you really used to joystick us during games, Matt, pass it to so-and-so, so-and-so, pass it to him, pass it to him. And it, every single play, and I was like, that's, that's not as fun. You know, I, I'm not, I wish I could play more, but I can't. So I want to make sure I give the guys uh, the, the opportunities to really, you know, be successful uh, in the game and, and just explore and play for themselves. You know, your, your clock is ticking for playing and you should spend as much time as you can playing because there's going to be a day uh, that I found out, you know, probably at a younger age than I wanted to, that you can't play anymore. And so you want to make sure that, that you're maximizing that potential uh, for opportunities and time to play and just the experiences uh, that you have at your hands. Aaron, uh, bring you into this conversation. You know, you talked about the fun aspect of it, and I think that's so, I think that's so important. And, you know, one of the things that, that we talk about with our players is finding that that passion and that joy mm-hmm. in doing it every day, and you know I, I I have a list that 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 I want our players just to every morning when they wake up ask these questions: Do you find joy in what you do? Do you find joy in preparing every day? Do you have others that help you find mm-hmm. that joy? And you know you talk about you talk about getting them to want to play and and do extra. You have a kind of a mixed. Um, roster. You have some international students. You have some American students. You have some transfers in. You have. Uh, do you see any difference in kind of the the mindset and the perspective from the international students as opposed to the Americans on how they see the game, how they see their development, how they own their own development, and and um, maybe give a little extra or do the Americans? I, I don't know. How do you see that? No, that's. The perspectives are different, I think, just because, uh, you know, every year, and this is what some of the more successful programs do is, is they go to the exit trials, which is where the, the, the players uh, are looked at. If they don't sign with a non-league club, then, you know, U.S. college programs can come in and they can sign them. Um, now, usually those programs <laughs> have a lot more scholarships and have a lot but opportunities have been doing a lot longer. Uh, but I think, you know, the really the mindset is um, that internationals value uh, the opportunity that they have. Uh, if you look at, uh, I mean, I was, I was talking to a coach uh, a couple of years ago when I got into coaching, who's I've known for a number of years, he supports the American college system because you're getting a degree and you're also playing at the same time. I think if, if you go to, uh, other countries, the players that aren't hey, getting that, you know, first team uh, contract or whatever it is, you know, what skills are they falling back on? And that's why they might hey, be building swimming pools or they might be laying, you know, Jamie Vardy, you know, before he signed with Leicester and stuff, he was playing, playing non-league football and he was a bricklayer. Um, those are, you know, kind of the things. And I think the international players that we have, um, and this is, you know, what we sort through in the recruiting process is, do you, are you going to value this experience? And from my experience, uh, the international players that we have do value it. They have some of uh, the highest GPAs that I've ever coached uh, at, you know, especially at the NEI level, at the collegiate level, uh, just because they know uh, there's still this uh, 
idea that, hey, in America, you can make anything happen, that you can still achieve what you want to. Uh, and so, like, we've got some Brazilian players. We've got an Australian player. We've got a player from Malawi. Um, they all are excellent students. They all just value the experience in general. Uh, some of the transfer students we have, uh, similar to me, I think they had a bad experience. And I think uh, maybe they're looking for a change of scenery. Uh, some of the JUCO guys, uh, they've gone to the JUCO route because, um, hey, maybe they had struggled academically. Maybe they needed more time to develop. Maybe they just got lost in the process. Uh, and so they understand kind of my, from my perspective of, hey, what it means to not play or what it means to really just kind of, again, value that experience. I think uh, the junior college guys, uh, a lot of them are, hey, I, they don't really know the process. You know, hey, the junior college came along and there's a good opportunity and they took it. And then, you know, kind of what's the next step? So, you know, if there's nothing after junior college or there's nothing uh, after the school you transfer from, you know, you leave your, your previous school, there's no playing. Uh, sure, you can, you know, spend a year um, just trying to sort it out, but that's not guaranteed. Once you get out of college soccer, uh, you're not guaranteed, or just maybe even out of the game in general, it's very difficult to get back in. Uh, things, you know, you know, happen. I think the two, uh, we've had a player that's been the captain the last three years. Uh, he left his Division II program, um, just didn't have a good experience, and he came in, and he's been, you know, three-year captain for us. He's been one of the hardest-working guys on the team. Uh, his roommate, uh, similar situation, he was going to try to transfer from his school, uh, and his school was at the NAIA National Tournament. Uh, it, the transfer didn't work out, and he was back home, not doing anything, you know, he was in you know, Brazil, uh, trying to get on, trying to get on. We gave him the opportunity and he scored, I think he was our second or third leading scorer this year. Never questioned his work ethic, never questioned anything. I think um, the guys that, you know, we bring in, like comes back to kind of, like the first generation uh, student athletes as well as they value the opportunity and what it means for their family, they value the opportunity that it, what it means for them. Uh, to you know, come to the states, or to maybe get a second chance uh, at college soccer, and to get their education, and to really make things right. Um, maybe they made mistakes. Maybe just again, maybe it just wasn't the right fit, um, and maybe they just found themselves in a position that you know they weren't going to be successful, or it wasn't the best decision that they made at the time. Uh, so that's you know what I've I've noticed. Uh, I think that what's really helped us you know be successful in these first few years is is the guys just valuing the experience and knowing that, hey, I'm maybe getting a second chance. I got to start doing things right or doing things better uh, and not, you know, don't let this slip away again. You see, you see that really shape their focus and, and, and really, it's an interesting perspective to think that they're kind of last chance saloon to think, you know, I, I love soccer. I want to play soccer and, and I want to get a degree at the same time. So I've got to make all these things fit. I've got to make all these things mm -hmm. work. Do you see that? rubbing off on on some of the 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 first not the 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 young people the young americans that coming in that it might they're not a first generation player that it might they might see that that grittiness that grind that they that the others are going through yeah i i definitely see it and i and it's easy to see because the players and usually they're older maybe they're sophomore transfers or maybe they're freshman transfers uh, those are the guys that are working hard. And, you know, every year, you know, if we talk, bring the guys in that, and I give a, I'm a big proponent of just writing things down and maybe I write things down too much, but 
thing of have a sheet, you know, how to get more playing time. You know, it's body language, it's staying after, it's asking questions, it's being supportive of teammates, it's doing all these things. If you want to be successful, then this is in this program, then these are the things that you have to consider doing. And, you know, the coaching staff here at IU East, you know, we look to reward those behaviors. And I think that reinforces it. Hey, if great, if you, you know, don't want to work hard in training, that's fine. Uh, you're allowed to make that decision, but don't, you know, come to us and say, coach, why am I not playing? You know, if your head is down, if you're complaining, if you're late to practice, whatever it is, um, those are going to deter you from playing. And so again, uh, playing in the games is the best reward you can have. Uh, and so we're always going to reward, or I'm always going to reward the guys that do all the right things. They're showing up on time. Or they're staying after practice. Uh, hey, maybe that's five minutes here. Maybe that's, you know, we talk to you, tell you to warm up before a game. It, it, it's all variable, but I think the guys have to be, uh, have to see that reward, have to see that payoff for that work, or they just become discouraged. And sometimes uh, the players start at a lower level uh, and they're working hard and they're working hard and they don't see time. Uh, and I think to reinforce that behavior is, hey, look, I see what you're doing. I know what you're doing. And then you're, you know, you're talking to them, uh, you know, during practice, after practice, you're bringing them in and really, you know, complimenting them and you know, acknowledging their work. I think that's a big thing of what people who work hard want is they, they understand that, hey, I'm maybe not being all American, but if you acknowledge the work I'm doing, that's gonna make you feel valued and that's kind of reward enough for some of them. Uh, now I hope they don't wanna be just acknowledged. They wanna keep working and keep working. But again, it comes back to the idea of, you know, I've gotta to work to create opportunities for myself as a player and then the coaching staff, coaching staff has to work to create opportunities uh, for that player. And I'll give you an example. Uh, we had one freshman this year, came in, kind of struggled, uh, I would say. And like, man, I really kind of hope he picks it up. He stayed after practice, he was working hard. Uh, he came into a situation where, uh, you know, one of our junior transfers, you know, one of our better players uh, had got a red card. So he was out, two, out for two, two games. Uh, the guy behind him uh, had, a, had an injury and he was out. And so then we threw in this freshman uh, and he started two games. He actually started against uh, uh, Tim uh, Walls uh, down at Midway and he did really well uh, those two games and success. And now he's received a number of votes for most improved on the team, but it's sometimes it, this development process just takes a little bit longer. But if those guys keep working and keep at it, uh, the, you will be you know, rewarded or acknowledged for your work, whether that's, starting in the game, or maybe that's getting 10 or 15 minutes, or maybe that's, you know, you've got to work to create those opportunities for yourself. But then again, you know, like I've said, the coaching staff has to, has to trust in the work that you're doing, you know, and giving you those opportunities as well. Do you, do you all have uh, a JV team? Uh, no, we do not. Okay. I think that's uh, one, of the, one of the perks at being about IU East. Uh, we're not an enrollment driven school, okay. um, but we found, you know, we've had 20, first year we had 26 uh, went through some attrition this year. We brought in 16 new guys. Uh, really what we found is, uh, with injuries and things and Hey, someone could get sick. Someone could, whatever it is about 30 is a, is a good roster number. Uh, now we're looking at maybe changing that in the future, but, um, JV teams, uh, are good. I think they can keep the competition. Uh, then again, it's <laughs> JV teams are also a lot of work, uh, finding games and it, it just costs more to travel. Um, but we do, uh, you know, we, like I said, we haven't really redshirted guys here. You know, we've given guys the opportunities, 
to play. You know, the, the player that I just mentioned, uh, he had been given some JV opportunities at other schools. Uh, and he talked to us about redshirting, you know, kind of what do you want to do? And then turns out, hey, he's starting two games, you know, two very big games going to the end of the year, uh, the conference time. So um, I think it's kind of worked out for us. And, um, yeah. It's interesting because you talk about, um, you know, the different ways to be a great teammate and the rewards for being that. And, you know, if, if we, we have 28 people on our roster and if we only travel 22, you know, obviously the reward may not just to be playing, but also to be in the travel squad and to be in a right. travel team. And, and then when you take 22, how many of those 22 actually play 18, 19? So you, right. you have three or four players that may not be able to get in into the game, but are on the travel squad. And how do you differentiate yourself? I mean, are you going to be that teammate that's always inspiring? Are you going to be that that teammate that is is bringing something mm-hmm. maybe not on the field but off the field and and that's a great way to encourage that group if you choose to have a travel squad or if you travel right. everybody you know I think that's that's a great message to send them um, especially for young people what kind of teammate are you how do you make everybody better around you and you know we're going to give that opportunity to those people to fill 18 19 20 20 whatever that might be as opposed to players that might be grumpy or frustrated right. and, and not even want to be there if they're not playing. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a good, good perspective to help encourage people and to learn how to be a big giver as opposed to being mm-hmm. a big taker. Matt, I think it's uh, safe to say that, uh, you know, all three of us have, uh, have been in different coaching roles um, throughout our career, right? Uh, head coach, assistant coach, um, you know, the guy picking up cones, uh, bagging balls, I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told every uh, person personally that I've ever worked with in the game that I'll do whatever you need me to do. I mean, there isn't anything, you know, um, that I'm too good for, so to speak. Um, you know, if it's laying out pennies, whatever. And so I wonder for you, um, you know, sort of that chemistry amongst a, a coaching staff when it comes to, you know, being an assistant coach and sort of that supporting role. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a opportunity this past season um, with the high school, high school group that I was with, um, you know, to, to be in that supporting role. And I, I really enjoyed it. I, I also love being a head coach too. So, you know, I, I'm probably like the, like you guys, I just love football right. and I, wherever you put me, you know, I, I'll be happy. I'm not going to be the, the coach that necessarily rocks the boat. Um, and I, I'm just, I wonder what that's like um, in the role that you're in now. Uh, no, that's uh, a great question. I think, um, you know, as, as you know, you're kind of going through the process and when I was you know growing up and, and thinking about being a coach, it was never, how, how do we, how do we, how am I a really good assistant coach? I was always, what am I going to do when I'm a head coach? And so I think young coaches, it's easy to get, caught up in this, Hey, uh, I want to be a head coach. I disagree with the head, you know, the head coach on this and that, cause I'm the assistant coach. Uh, but really for me, it's understanding kind of just, and we talk about this, you know, with our players, there's, uh, knowing your role, uh, and then there's, uh, you know, kind of accepting your role. And I think knowing your role and accepting your roles are two different things. Accepting your role is like a player who's maybe 18th on the depth chart. 
hey, I'm 18th. You don't have to accept that. You can work to improve that. You can work to, to move up. Uh, but you have to know uh, roles change uh, every game, you know, every day. Some days um, the guy ahead of you or the guy behind you is, is maybe it's the guy behind you. He's just playing better. And your role at that time is to be supportive. I know my, you know, as an assistant coach, I don't always like doing, um, hey, going to pick up stuff before games or getting to practice an hour early to, to you know, if it's 6, you know, we practice at 7.30 in the morning, being up at 5.30 to be at the field at 6.30 to set everything up. Uh, that isn't something that I always enjoy doing, but that's part of my role. And that's, you know, me paying the dues of, of, of taking the next step. And I think uh, having been out of the game, uh, as I've said before, there's nothing, you know, I think I have the best job in the world in terms of I get to wake up, I get to do what I love, I get to travel around the country. Uh, someone else gets to pay for it most of the time. I think that's a benefit. Uh, so, hey, I, sometimes I got to ride a bus with 30 smelly guys, but I'd rather be with those guys than probably anyone else. Um, and I, so I think um, understanding, you know, what is my role for us to be successful? And I think uh, as a young coach, uh, you know, you, maybe even you talk to, you know, Division One basketball coaches, they're always afraid to delegate and this and that. And I wish they would have, you know, just understood what they had to do better when they were younger, uh, especially just from different perspectives. So I think understanding that I'm nothing unless the team is successful. Um, you know, I can't, you know, maybe further my career if we're not su successful. So I've got to be willing uh, to do whatever it takes to win. So sometimes that's me staying up till 10 o'clock on a Friday night, texting or calling uh, recruits out of California. Maybe that's me, uh, you know, after a game, I have to drive up, you know, six hours to Saginaw, Michigan to go to a camp. Uh, but knowing that um, this is, you know, this is me fulfilling my dreams, this is me fulfilling a goal that I've set for myself. And like I said, it, it, it's better to be, you know, in the game than out of the game. I think, you know, when I first got into coaching, I was uh, maybe a bit uh, I don't know, naive uh, in terms of how things are going. And it comes back to, you know, some people think that, you know, always want to be told what to do uh, and can be giving a lot of it instruction, you know, to be a successful coach, there's no one telling you what to do. I mean, it's all based off instinct. So you have to ask a lot of questions. You've got to send emails. You've got, got to get consistent feedback. And so I think that's one thing uh, that I've done. I remember, you know, when I was in Montana, uh, the head coach was like, hey, you've got to be in more and you've got to be, you know, just looking to contribute more. And said, okay. So I had to start asking questions. Hey, what are we doing at practice? What do you need me to do? Uh, because I can't improve unless I, uh, or I can't take the next step of my career or improve my skills unless I'm looking for that. Uh, and if I'm not looking for that, then it's not going to happen. And it comes back to working to create opportunities for myself and also, you know, other people recognizing the work that I'm doing and giving me opportunities. Uh, a head coach is never going to give me uh, more than I'm capable of carrying uh, or doing, uh, but they're also not going to give me anything if they see that I am incapable of doing anything. Uh, so it's always, hey, do what you're asked and then do it to the best of your ability. And, you know, that, that work will pay off. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next month. It may not be in a year from now, but knowing that you know, everyone's on a path of development. It's different for everyone. And sometimes some people can become very successful very quickly. Some people it just takes longer. Um, but knowing that, uh, hey, always being in the game, it's a privilege to be here. Uh, I'm, I would think about, you know, what I would do if I wasn't a coach. Uh, and 
I wasn't exactly sure. Um, I mean, I kind of have an idea now if I have to fall back on something, but I remember talking when I was at the club uh, in Spokane, you know, what do you want to do? So I want to be a coach. I just can't get motivated to do really anything else. You know, it's why I get up in the morning, uh, watch soccer, you know, get to wear sweatpants, get to travel around the country, uh, get to kick a soccer ball pretty much every day. Uh, hey, and it doesn't get better than that because I've been in situations where I didn't have that and not having it is significantly worse uh, than having it every day. I'd rather have too much soccer than not enough uh, because I can always come back to it uh, or I'm always around it. If I leave it, then you know, I may not, never have it again uh, to the level that I want to have it or be involved with it. You guys hear me talk about this all the time and I absolutely love their product. So I want you to know about Duke Tig brand, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. If you need a notebook that is already pre-lined that you can just jump right in, plan a training session, take notes during a match, Duke Tig brand has got you covered. And guess what? They also have waterproof products. And if you work in the coaching world, you know, how unpredictable the weather can be from week to week, match to match, training session to training session. They also have apparel too. So I can save you 10% today by going to checkout at duketigbrand.com and use the promo code BROADWATER19, B-R-O-A-D-W-A-T-E-R-1-9 at checkout. duketigbrand.com, plan to be great. You know, for me, I, you know, I always tell people that I was a late bloomer, right? So, you know, 40s looking me in the eye here in a few years. Right. And to make that pivot, I had this conversation actually with somebody today, to make that pivot, you know, mid to late 30s to say, holy smokes, I, I want to be a football coach. I want to be a soccer right. coach. Um, you know, people, people think I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, and I wonder, you know, working through those bits of adversity in your life where you go, you know, I'm doing something else right now and you know, it's okay. I, I don't, you know, it, it does, it is what it is, but you know, to know that this is what really brings you happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I've been very fortunate. You know, I think, uh, you know, I have a supportive family. I've, like I said, I've, I've been around coaches and I've found situations where others are supportive of me. That's not always the case for a lot of people. Um, so I, I, like I said, I, you know, when I was in, I did my undergraduate and graduate theses on homelessness and poverty. And before I moved up to Montana, I was in LA for a month and I was working at a homeless shelter. Um, so I think that really kind of gives me a perspective of, hey, this, there's a, you know, this is, soccer is, is, is kind of like a cherry on the top. It's something that I, I value every single day because a lot of people are in uh, different situations than I am. They haven't been as fortunate. They haven't been just they were, like I said, we deal with a lot of first generation students and, you know, the, the immense pride that their parents and their families have uh, for them uh, uh, is something to really uh, embrace. I know, hey, I, you know, when someone uh, allows their son to come and, and play for me, you know, my objective is to turn them into uh, a better person, to make them more conscious uh, citizen, make them aware of others around them, uh, just because that's, you know, them kind of uh, a growing and maturing and developing to just, you know, you know, reach their potential. And I think, uh, you know, coming, you know, dealing with a lot of first generation students, student athletes, uh, that's what their parents want. They want their kids to be in better situations than they are. 
uh, and we really work to, to work with them uh, to put them in better situations just because maybe the parents sacrificed a lot to maybe be, to be in the U.S. Or, or whatever it is to put their child through school and understand the mistakes they've made, made uh, is going to help them lead uh, their son into a position to be more successful than they were. So I think uh, that's just an interesting perspective, but I've been very fortunate uh, you know, throughout my career that I've been around people who have similar perspectives and, and, and value that uh, those ideals and, and, you know, that vision. One of the things that you, to go back to, to the roles of, of different roles in coaching and one of, as an assistant coach, and as you're growing as an assistant coach and you're, you're chasing that dream, you know, an old adage always comes to my mind as you were talking about, you know, the roles and responsibilities under promise and over deliver. And right. I think because a lot of times you might say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then the other coaches expect that. And then you don't do it. Right. And you don't, or you don't live up to what you're promising. So say you're going to do it, but then make it even better. Right. And it sounds like the journey that you've been on as a coach, um, the geographic journey that you've mm -hmm. been on as a soccer player and as a coach, um, as a young coach, is is very is something aspiring coaches should look at and also un recognize and understand that that is reality sometimes right i mean you have to chase those those opportunities and to go to um, the different levels and to go to the different schools and and to find those different people to work for and work with because you know as you said earlier you got to find the environment that you can thrive in and not all environments are perfect for everybody. So um, lots of credit mm -hmm. to you for, for taking that journey and, and uh, enjoying it. And looks like you found a, a nice home for now there in, yeah. in Richmond and a great opportunity to continue to coach. Yeah, no, there's a, no, I appreciate that. I think, um, you know, kind of one, you know, motto if you want to call it that quote that i follow is you've got to be willing to sacrifice who you are for who you can become and i think a lot of people uh and it's different you know i've been fortunate hey i'm you know not married i don't have any kids uh i think part of that is maybe because of this career path i've chosen um you know if my mother gave me you know one one piece of advice growing up it's whatever you want to do uh whether it's go to school uh before you settle down make sure you do everything you want to do and so I think I've maybe taken that a little bit too far. Uh, you know, one of four, a lot of my other siblings are married or having kids and it's, oh, you know, what's Matt doing? Well, he's, he lives in Indiana now and then he's <laughs> moved around. He's moved around every couple of years, but knowing that, you know, sometimes uh, I've, I've, I've taken risks and for me, maybe it's been a little bit harder uh, than others. Maybe it's been a little bit easier than others, uh, but knowing that, Hey, every opportunity uh, that I have is, is, is a chance I've got to look to explore and understand that there are some risks involved. Uh, maybe they're financially, maybe they're, you know, maybe emotionally or socially or whatever it is. Uh, but knowing that, hey, this is, you know, a day with soccer uh, is a day is better than a day without soccer. Uh, and a day, uh, you know, being around people that also enjoy it and impacting the lives of, uh, of young men uh, and seeing them really fulfill their potential uh but like i said it's it's you know i've been very fortunate 
uh, for a lot of the situations I've been in. Uh, but hey, it's it's a commitment. If you really want to be good at something, you've got to dedicate it. I mean, you're either all in or you're all out. Uh, and I've maybe gone all in too far, uh, almost too far that I'm not sure I can get out. Uh, but uh, I'm not complaining uh, about it. You know, I, like I said, when I left the game playing, uh, I gave everything I had. I think I prepared myself the best I could. Uh, so when I walked away, I had no regrets. I was fine with, you know, the career I had as a player. Uh, and so that's, you know, kind of what I'm trying to instill as my, with my players now is, hey, you know, the season may not be going how we want it, uh, but you, I don't want you to look back in 20 years or five years and say, man, I shouldn't have, I really should have tried harder that one week of practice. I should have just gotten over myself. Uh, and guys, you know, young men mature at different levels, but uh, if you're doing everything you can, you know, the best you have, uh, where you are with what you have, you know, you're going to, you're going to get results. Uh, it may not always be the best results, but you're always going to learn uh, in those environments and, and really enjoy the process. I think. You mentioned uh, a little bit about your playing career, Matt, in that um, I wonder what type of player or what kind of player you were, um, you know, uh, back in your playing days. Oh, that's, it's been a while. Um, I was a player that uh, really enjoyed to play. I, this is, um, I was more of a utility player. I'd say that I could, I understood the game well enough. Um, you know, I, when I was younger, I was a forward. I was pretty quick. So I scored a lot of goals. I moved to the midfield, moved outside back in college center back. When I was in college, I played center back, outside back, uh, you know, the number 11, uh, saw some time up top, um, saw some time at the, at the six, maybe. Uh, so I saw, uh, uh, I could do a number of different things. Now I think my advice for my players now is um, focus on one thing. Find the one thing you do well and do that better than anyone else. And that's going to put you on the field. Uh, I was, I was average, I'd say at a lot of things, you know, I was pretty good at some things, but I didn't have that one thing that really uh, stood out to me. And when I was talking to my college coach, he said, you know, we just don't know where to put you because you can do a lot of different things. I said, that should make it easier. I mean, it should, but then again, looking back, it's, Hey, you know, if, if I wanted to be in the game more, I needed to find a deficiency uh, or, or a, an aspect of the game that my team was weakened. Hey, maybe it was just winning balls out of the air. Maybe it was set pieces. Maybe it was, you know, tackling hard or whatever it was. And so that's really kind of what I'm instilling to my guys now is maybe we need a guy to just win balls out of the air or to take free kicks or to get the ball to the end line or throw it in, have a long throw in. Find that thing that you're better at some, anyone else on the team at and then we've got to put you in. If you're better at taking penalty kicks than anyone else on the team, chances are you're going to be in the game uh, when we have to take penalty kicks. And I think, you know, in, in hindsight, uh, I wish I had been given that advice. My thought was, hey, if I'm good, you know, I can't be good at everything, right? That's, I'm just not, you know, an elite international level player like some guys are. But I think if you were to look at any elite player, international player, uh, they have one thing that they're better than anyone else at. And if they can really focus on that and, you know, be maybe average at everything else, uh, they're going to be successful. Um, but I think that's, you know, if I could change one thing, I wish I could focus on, on uh, uh, that uh, growing up and say, hey, maybe it's me just towing it in from the line or me just winning balls out of the year. But I think uh, as a player, I read the game pretty well. I mean, I'm a coach now, uh, but I could do a lot of little things and it gave me a, a fuller perspective of the game, but I didn't really stand out. Uh, at any one thing. I think that made it, it that made my career 
a little bit different uh, than a lot of guys. But uh, like I said, I don't regret it. I think I've had success as a coach. It's helped me as a coach. And maybe I didn't have as much success as I wanted to uh, as a player, but I'm having a lot of success now as a coach. And maybe that's, uh, that's a fair trade-off. Uh, I've, I've been allowed to be in the game longer as a coach than I was as a player. Uh, and that's way more enjoyable uh, for me now, uh, now that I'm a little bit older and, and see things with a different perspective. Aaron and I always talk about, um, you know, two former goalkeepers and that the way we see the game mm-hmm. and even the way we like to watch a game, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is through the, is probably through the lens of a, of a keeper. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if being sort of this, uh, you know, super utility player, right. And there, there's players that sort of come to mind. Um, you know, I even just, it happened uh, last weekend with the, um, the NCAA women's, uh, you know, national championship that one of the North Carolina players, they bumped her back to right back. And I guess she was normally a midfielder or something like that. And sort of having this, you know, jack of all trades kind of mentality, right? right? Do you think that's made you a better coach? I know, you know, we speak as goalkeepers, the way we see the game for us, I feel it's made me a better coach. And I think Aaron would probably agree, but I wonder what it, you know, what that's been like for you. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, it definitely has made me a better coach. Now, I, I would say uh, on the spectrum of things, I'm, <laughs> I'm just players in general. I was a little bit more curious. I was always the one guy that wanted to know how we were doing it, why we were doing that, and how it came into the big picture. Uh, and so maybe I asked too many questions or I, I didn't understand something. I might have not done something because it didn't make sense. Uh, but that's kind of how I try to put things to players is, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is how it plays into the bigger picture. And this is why we're doing it. Um, Because I think some guys want to know that some guys, they just want to play. They'll do whatever you say. And that's great too. Uh, But for me as a player, uh, I was a little bit, maybe too analytical for my own good. Uh, But I also want to just understand things and how it worked and how it played in the bigger picture. Uh, And then kind of having a bigger picture in general. Um, But I think, you know, as a player that's, been able to play several different positions. It's helped me uh, communicate my expectations uh, maybe more efficiently uh, to those players. Uh, whereas maybe if you have been an all-star forward and you've scored a bunch of goals uh, and you've just been, you know, always good. You now how is an all-star forward going to tell maybe a center back or an outside back, or how are they going to train a goalkeeper and uh, what they should do? It's a little bit different. So I think, it's allowed me to sort of analyze uh, and think about each position and what it does and, you know, what I want out of that position. Uh, then I've got to be able to articulate that in a, in a clear and effective manner. Um, whether it's, Hey, what do I want you to do offensive technically, what I want you to do uh, defensive tactically, uh, and just being able to, you know, really write that down and be logical uh, with, with my vision for what I want. Uh, but I think it's definitely helped. Uh, it's, maybe you know still working on it on on communicating and things like that on how am I giving the players too much information I think when you that's maybe one of the issues I have is I have everything kind of figured out in my head but understand that you have to give it out piece by piece uh, because you can't overload guys uh, especially at the collegiate level when they've got um, hey school going on they've got friends they've got family they've got everything else, you know, bills, whatever it is, uh, you can also overload them. So, you know, I've tried to keep it as simple as possible uh, for them and just create things as, as systematic as possible as well. Aaron, go ahead. I'll bring you in. Um, 
you know, I think as, as, as we develop and, and evolve as a coach, um, I think what you said about keeping it simple, because especially for the collegiate, for the collegiate players, because, you know, you, you, you create that framework, you create that environment, you know, they, they want to be in that environment that, that they can be successful in. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, that is, that's one of the best ways to be able to do that. Um, and we do have so many, I mean, I, I remember all, all my years of, of the, of certain players that overanalyze things and, you mm-hmm. know, well, that player would be a good coach or you have these players that just excel at certain things and you wonder, are they able to be able to parlay that to somebody that might not be naturally gifted to do right. that, you know? And so I think, um, you know, I think as we, as we have developed as coaches, I mean, I think that's the way that we have looked at things. And so um, I think that's, I think that's important. Um, You know, I think also one of the things that we develop and evolve in is the psychological aspect of how do we coach and, you know, how do we, and we, we, you know, go back to what we talked about, how do we find the ways to make the players enjoy it? Or, you know, not make them enjoy it, but have them find the way to enjoy it themselves mm-hmm. and to create that passion. And, and um, you know, I've evolved so much because, you know, as an assistant coach, you kind of have one line and one line to the players. And, and as a head coach, you kind of have multiple lines because you got to, you know, wear multiple different hats. Mm-hmm. And, and so going from an assistant coach to a head coach, I had to learn how can I communicate? How do I evolve in my communications? And I think uh, to, to create that environment. And I think that's definitely been something that, that is, uh, has been a challenge. And, you know, the, the sooner that you recognize that, and I don't know if I recognize that soon enough. And it sounds like, right. it sounds like you, you've really had that recognition and that self-awareness for sure um, on, on how to get that done. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it just comes back to, and I try to think of things, uh, you know, really kind of inspired by my experiences and how, you know, what I thought thought worked well uh, as a player and what I thought, what I wish I would have been done differently. And so, you know, when I'm coaching players and they come into the office and say, coach, what can I do this, this, and this? And I say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Uh, and then I write it down for them just so they have that feedback. Uh, and they can, it can, it's like a contract. I view it as a contract and say, look, this is what I need you to do. Uh, this is, you know, kind of the bare minimum. If you want to, you know, if you're looking at it as a grade, if you do this, you're going to get a C and that's good enough to see sometime. Now, if you want to play and you consider playing, having an A, uh, then you are gonna have to do this and then a little bit more uh, to be successful in that. Uh, but again, it comes back to, you know, when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, uh, at the end of the day, I just wanted to play. And that comes back to my philosophy the more you play, the better you get, the better you get, the more fun you have. Uh, I think really keeping that, you know, I don't want to spend time making guys run at training. I don't want to spend time, you know, lifting weights. You know, when I was in high school, one of my coaches, we had two miles before every practice. I said, man, it's going to take me, you know, 15 minutes to do this, 10 minutes, whatever it is. I just want to play. Let, let me just run before everyone else and then we can start practice and, and I can start playing. Uh, I, you know, we don't do really any fitness conditioning here uh, at IU East. I learned that uh, the style of play that we want to have, it's about the players having the ball and being able to be on the ball a lot. So we spend a lot of time doing that, but it's, it's a lot of the time the guy's playing. Uh, and it's, it's a structured 
playing. You know, there's parameters. And it's not just scrimmaging every day. I've been in a part of a team uh, where that's all we did, and, and the players aren't going to improve like that. So there's got to be a structure and a framework to what you want. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the guys have got to play. Um, they've got to play as much as possible. Um, sometimes guys have to play, work on things a little bit more than others. But at the end of the day, hey, playing is better than not playing. Uh, and the more you play, the better you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk obviously after every season we have end of the year meetings everybody has those and and I take kind of listen to what what the players how did you like the training sessions how did you like the where they developed and designed in a way that you could learn and enjoy it you know and, and a couple of years ago um, we, we became really functional mm-hmm. a few years ago and we were very functional but very tactically based and you know a lot of them would say you know we want to play more we right. want to and you know what? And we took that into consideration over the last few years. And we we designed sessions that were based around small-sided games and building up um, from those points and those places. And, you know, I think they've they've enjoyed it so much more. And we've grown and we've gotten better. And, and uh, this year, after our end-of-the-year meetings, I, I, you know, it was it was, you know, we didn't, we weren't perfect, but, right. you know, they, they, I think they enjoyed how we structured and, and tactically periodized our, our, our season. And, 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 and it is, it was all based around playing more than we were um, functional work or, mm-hmm. or technical work. Yeah. We've, we've had, you know, we just finished our season ending meetings uh, last week. And, you know, I, I think we played a lot. Some of the guys are saying, Hey, there's too much, too many rules or whatever, when we're playing, uh, and they're probably right. You know, sometimes you just have to let them go and they'll sort it out for themselves. You know, sometimes less is more. Uh, but I think, you know, kind of the situation that we're in, you know, building a program, we brought in 16 new guys this year. Uh, you still have to introduce everyone and get everyone on the same page. And, and it, that part of that just takes time. And the guys that have been here two, three, four years, uh, they know it. But then when you're introducing 16 new guys or eight new guys or whatever it is, you have to kind of take one step back. So I think, you know, going into the future, you know, as you've kind of mentioned, it's going to come down to playing more 11 aside because uh, they, all the coaching has really been done. Uh, it's just about them being out there and executing and sorting it out for themselves. I think, you know, in the States, there's uh, a lot of overcoaching uh, as well, especially at the youth level. You know, maybe that's kind of a complaint they have with England is kids are pigeonholed too much of, hey, I'm only a left back and this is all I can do. Uh, well, hey, you're just going to need to play in general. Like being on the field is better than not being on the field. And we've had a player say um, he probably played in 40 games for us in his first two years, and this year he wasn't playing as much. And he only played the number seven. I said, well, how do you feel about switching to the number 10? I don't know. I said, look, you're good enough to play here. I've seen you. You've developed a lot. It's better to be on the field than off the field. And we wanted to get on the field. And uh, I think kind of in the future, now that we've got a, a good chunk of seniors, we'll have 11 seniors next year. Uh, our guys are going to be spend more time playing. It's just about them executing on their end. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Matt. If uh, people want to connect with you and follow along in your coaching uh, journey, how can they do that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, that's probably the best place to contact me. Uh, Twitter handle is at mw underscore formation. Um, and, you know, that's hey, I'm on Twitter probably way too much. Uh, you know, obviously that's how we connected and stuff. Uh, but I, you know, check my DMs or my messages and you know, respond to tweets pretty easily. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the best way. Very cool. Well, uh, Matt Wolf, thank you for 
coming on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. And um, just uh, love your backstory, man. Um, really inspiring. And, uh, you know, uh, just coaches that ooze passion for our game and just, um, you know, really know that how much joy uh, football and soccer can bring to, to one's life is, is really cool to hear. And yep. uh, it, was a, it was a very enjoyable conversation. So thanks for coming on. No, yeah. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, I really appreciate it. Like I said, I've, I've listened to several episodes. I listened to the last one uh, with Brandon. But, hey, keep up the good work. I think you guys are giving uh, coaches a great platform to, to share their stories. I think, you know, people think that coaching is all this glamorous stuff and people just are up on the top. You know, it's good, that I think, that you're showing light on guys that are in the process of, of getting to the top. Uh, or whatever, you know, relative top that is. Uh, I don't think that gets covered enough. Uh, But like I said, I I really enjoyed it. And, you know, keep up the good work. A big shout out to Matt Wolf for coming on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. And if you would like to connect with Matt, I have included information in the show notes and be sure to reach out to Matt on social media. Matt, wish you all the best from Aaron and I, and uh, hope our paths connect here in the very near future. So a few housekeeping items before we go. We actually have relaunched the YouTube channel for this podcast, and many of the episodes from season three, you can actually see full video footage of the episode. So our interaction with the guest and putting names and faces with um, the people that we've had on this podcast. So if uh, you have some time and you want to check that out, there's a link in the show notes of how to get there. Also, in early 2020, Aaron and I plan to do a episode dedicated strictly to listener questions. And I would love if you hit us up on social media at SoccerCoachJB and at Ohio Soccer Coach with questions that you might have. And those could be about anything related to the game of soccer. And we will find a way to work those into an upcoming episode. Guys, thank you so much for listening. You'll get a brand new episode this coming Saturday and we'll take a little bit of a break for the Christmas holiday. But I really appreciate your support and listenership and speak for Aaron when I say this, that it really does mean a lot to both of us to have you enjoying and listening to this podcast. Guys, we'll catch you real soon. This has been the On the Touchline podcast.